Hello, all you beautiful people. I'm Amber Enerson. And I'm Kelsey Enerson. And this is our podcast, You Are the Alchemist. Um, this week, we're going to address one of the questions that we were sent in the email over the last week. Um, the question was just a little bit more details on the 90-second emotional movement through your body and how to give yourself time to do that, as well as how emotions feel in your body. So um, I know that the way that emotions feel in your body is going to be different for everyone. I have different reactions to different emotional feelings, and my sisters are different. Everyone's going to be a little different in that area. But a lot of it is, you know, just cultivating that self-awareness and giving yourself time to kind of reflect. And if you feel yourself, like, emotionally activated, just giving your brain kind of time to catch up with your body and just kind of allow it to move through. Yeah. So, like, anxiety, for example, um, when I get hit with anxiety, I get this, uh, like, sometimes I can't take a full breath. I, it seems like I can't, like, like, I'll inhale and I just, like, I can't get enough air. And it's like that game you play when you're trying to make yourself yawn so you can get, like, a full deep breath. I don't know if anyone else experiences that. Um, and I kind of get this feeling like I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Like, almost a claustrophobic feeling, but I could be in, like, I could be outside, you know. And, like, there's nowhere for me to go, but, like, I feel like I need to escape, Um and, uh, like, I get, you know, sometimes I'll get cold sweats, um, you know, I'll start shaking, bouncing my leg. Whereas, like, my wife, when she gets anxiety, she, like, she has these, like, little, I don't, like, ticks. I don't want to call them, yeah, I don't want to call them ticks, but, like, she'll fidget, like, she, she'll, like, rub her fingers together, uh, her, like, um, thumb and her index fingers, she starts rubbing her fingers together or she'll you know she'll start grabbing for instance when I'm driving she likes to grab anything she can get a hold of because <laughs> she gets really bad anxiety when I drive um or uh she'll just she'll get really quiet um and like it's not the same it doesn't look the same for everyone um and something that I never really knew how to do for a long time to address my anxiety was uh, coping mechanisms. Um, I relied on medication a lot. So, like, when I first started getting anxiety, a lot of the times I would just go into a panic attack because um, I didn't really know what anxiety was when I first had it uh, because we didn't have a lot of education about that kind of stuff. Um. And uh, we had no idea how to address it, so I kind of just felt like there was something wrong with me. Um, So I would start having panic attacks, couldn't breathe, you know, like, you know, like when you see in the movies where they need, like, a a paper bag. (laughs) Yeah. I never ventilating. I never had that. Uh, I never used, like, a paper bag, but, like, it was like that. Um, And I would just, like, start freaking out, and I was like, I would start snapping on people. Like, that's another thing that I do when I'm really anxious is I start snapping on people. Um, I, I just, I don't want anyone around me. I just want everyone to leave me alone. I get, I get very irritable. I get angry. Mm-hmm. But it's because I can't, I can't control what I'm feeling. 
And like yeah. when I get a when I lose that sense of control, I start feeling like I'm trapped. So I get irritable and I want to get out of the situation. Um, but then when I was diagnosed with anxiety um, and depression and well, all my other shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was given medication, so, like, basically, whenever I'd start feeling anxiety, I would just, you know, pop up benzo, (laughs) and I started relying on that, and eventually, uh, well, something happened last year, and, like, we haven't really gotten into that, but... That'll be a whole episode all by itself. (laughs) I ended up um, going to a mental institution, and... uh, I mean, before that, I had started learning coping mechanisms in therapy, like the breathing and stuff like that. But, like, I didn't really give much weight to it because, you know, I had my pills. So it was like, whatever. Um, So after the mental institution, I was like, wow, like, something has to change. Like, my life is falling apart. Um, I'm losing my family. I'm losing my life. I'm losing my career. My mind. My mind, yeah. Um, so I started reading a lot of like, you know, like self-help, but not like the cheesy stuff, you know, like actual, (laughs) like people that experience things. And I started journaling a lot, like trying to figure out who I was and where the anxieties came from. And I started like letting myself actually dig deeper in therapy, like instead of just scratching the surface of things. And I did start doing the breathing techniques and I you know I threw myself into my music for a while and uh you know it's not easy to deal with anxiety and like honestly I still am on medication I do I do still take antidepressants um I don't really have a choice my my brain chemicals don't give me a choice rather or other than to be on medication um I can't function like a like a sane, I don't really it's, know the, the uh, There's like a specific the word for it. Yeah. It's um, like, I don't want to say normal, but there's like neurodivergent, which is like anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. And then there's like neuro something else, but I can't remember the phrase, which is like normal people brain. Like Right. Um. So, yeah, so I still am on medication. So if you are struggling with the thought of being on medication I just want to throw out there like there is absolutely nothing to be um hesitant hesitant or guilty yeah guilty guilty or shameful shamed of like some people just need it like it's not it's not there's nothing wrong with you like my psychiatrist uh was talking to me one time because I I hate the fact that I'm on medication, and I would tell him all the time, I just want to get off the medication. What do I have to do to get off the medication? He was like, Kelsey, why do you feel like you have to get off the medication? He said, mental illness is just like any other illness. He was like, would you go up to someone that had diabetes and tell them, hey, you need to get off your medication? Like, mental illness is an illness just like any other illness. It affects your body. It affects your mind. It affects your capability to function just like any other medical diagnosis does. 
And that really put things into perspective for me because um, I always thought there was something wrong with me because there is this stigma of mental health. It there it just is. There's a whole group of people that think that mental illness is just made up and it's just an excuse and it's just a reason for people to whine or a reason for people to not be able to deal with their lives. And it's bullshit, obviously. Like, there is <laughs> obvious... Like, it's scientifically proven that it is a thing, obviously. Um, But I struggled for a very long time, and I finally accepted, like, I do need medication. There's nothing wrong with it. And it does help keep my anxieties under control. Um, But I do still need that, like, coping mechanism because, like, my anxiety still does come up um, in, like, more stressful situations. And a lot of times I just have to step away from the situation and, like, give myself that clarity. And I try to ground myself and just, like, think of safety, the issue at hand, and if it's going to matter in 10 minutes or if I'm just freaking out because of something that happened in the past. And that's another big thing. Sorry, I'm, like, going on a trail. That's okay. That's okay. Um. This is just, like, where I'm super experienced. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, like, identifying where those anxieties come from is a huge thing. So, like, my anxieties come from a lot of my childhood situations, and they come from a lot of my teenage years uh, from sexual abuse or manipulation tactics that were administered to me or, uh, you know, like brainwashing that happened to me. Um, and sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, okay, is this a situation that is triggering my past or is this a situation that like right now my body is telling me something is wrong and you do need to be anxious. So, That is a huge part, I think, with anxiety and dealing with the the emotion of anxiety. Or I don't even know if anxiety is an emotion. Anxiety is... It's a reaction. It's a reaction, but the feelings that you get from the anxiety is like an emotional feeling. Yeah. Because it's like irritable. It's anger. It's sadness. Like for me, mine's overwhelm. It's overstimulation. Everything just feels like it is too much and I can't function. So it is a reaction, but it is also, it causes emotional feelings. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's my take on anxiety. And, like, everyone's coping mechanism is different. It truly is. Like, oh, yeah. Amber, she goes towards meditation. She goes towards yoga. She goes towards physical activity. She goes towards... Nature. Delving into, yeah, like... Delving into the subconscious mind. Basically. Like, yeah. For me, dealing with my anxiety, I try to keep myself busy. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do today? I need to get out this anxious feeling. Um, I'm going to clean my whole house. And then halfway through cleaning the house, I'm like, oh, my anxiety is gone. I'm just going to stop this project halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or I'm like, you know what? I just need to get some musical, like, I just need to, like, blast a song that I love and sing my heart out. Or... You know what? I use screaming therapy, and, like, I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but 
when things were super bad in my life, um, when I would get in the car, I would roll my windows down. I mean, you don't have to roll your windows down, but (laughs) I would take the deepest breath I can muster and I would just scream my lungs out, like at the top of my lungs. And it is such a release. Even if you're, if you're sad, if you're mad, if you're happy, even like it brings on those emotions that you need to release. And like, sometimes I would scream so hard that I would like, it would trigger that emotion of like, okay, this is, this is what I need to be processing right now. Right. And, like, I would start crying. I would bawl. I would sob. Like, um, and then eventually, like, you scream so much that you're like, okay, I'm done. Like, I got it out. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's so many different types of coping mechanisms, and you just have to figure out what's right for you. And that kind of trails back into, like, the 90 seconds of processing. Like, when Kelsey goes out and steps away and takes that time to say, okay, like, where is this emotion coming from? Is it from the past? Is it from a situation right now? Is it going to matter in five, ten minutes? That is taking that 90 seconds for your mind and your body to kind of get back in alignment. So that you can allow that process, that emotion to process through your body instead of getting trapped somewhere. It's like when you push it down and say, no, like I'm not dealing with that right now. I can't deal with that right now. That's when that emotion could get trapped. And then also for me, like processing emotions for me is like a two-step process. I will do something in the moment to like recognize the emotion similar to what Kelsey does. I'll say, okay, like, is this coming from right now? What do I need to give me myself right now? Do I need to run? Do I need to scream? Do I need to meditate? Like, what can I give myself right now to help me process this in the moment? And then later, I will go back and reflect and journal through it. And then I'll journal through, like, what has happened in the past that contributed to it. What has happened recently that triggered that memory from the past? And what can I do with this knowledge that I have of this emotion in order to deal with it, process it, heal it, and then move forward in the future. So that's kind of like the 90-second process for me. The 90-second process is in the moment, and then later I'll do, like, the deep dive. And then along with, like, the anxiety, there's also so many other emotions. There's anger. There's sadness. There's joy. There is even, like, depression that can be an emotion if it's not a chronic state. And each of those emotions feels different in your body or will be at a different location in your body. Like when I'm angry, I'll start feeling it in like my lower arms. It's just like a burning sensation in my lower arms that just moves its way through my entire body until it gets to my head and I'm like, I have, I have to do something to get rid of this anger right now. And that's a lot of times where if I'm not conscious of what is going on, I will react or I'll overreact or I'll yell. A lot of times it's with my kids. (laughs) Like I'll be angry and I will yell at them. And yeah, that is a release and it gets that anger out. But the anger was never directed at them in the first place. Or like my anxiety is it starts in my chest. Um, Like it'll just my chest will get so tight and constrictive. And then it'll, like, start closing up my throat. And then it'll get, like, really fuzzy in my head. And eventually, if I don't deal with it, I'll just have, like, a sobbing. I'll just sob because there's, like, nothing I can do about it. Right. Um, 
my chest closes up, or not my chest, my throat will close up. I won't be able to speak, almost like that feeling when you're, like, choking back tears. Yeah. But I'm not actually choking back tears. It just is my throat, like, closes up, and then it just moves through your body, and it just makes my body feel super heavy, and, like, I can't move. Um, depression, I haven't had a lot of experience with that. I don't really know what that feels like. Kelsey would be able to explain that in a minute. Uh Um, like joy, excitement, it's normally like a a buzzing, but in like a good way. Like I just want to jump around or I just want to like run in a circle or spin in a circle because I'm like happy and excited. And one thing to keep in mind too, when you're like noticing how emotions feel in your body is that anxiety and excitement are very similar in how they feel. Like, but excitement for me is more like a nervousness, whereas anxiety for me is more like an out-of-control mosquito in my ear that won't stop, if that makes sense. (laughs) That's like agitation and excitement. Agitation is more anxiety. Excitement is more, or nervousness is more like excitement. Um... Depression. Yeah. If you want to. I'm, do you want to go into that I'm right now? I'm thinking. Um, so depression looks different for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people can get to that point where they just can't get out of bed. They, uh, you know, they can't do the dishes. They can't clean up after themselves. They can't, they start calling off work. They, you know, like, they just can't regulate their life. Um, for me, that is not, that is not what I get. Um, depression comes with a lot of anger and resentment for me. Um, I can do my daily tasks, uh, not as, not as well. Um, I do slack off a little bit when I, when I do get into depression. One of the main things I notice when I'm getting in depression, depression, um, when I know it's coming is when I start binge buying. <laughs> um, seriously, though, like, I will go on, like, an online shopping spree because I'm trying to get that dopamine effect. Yep, um, the reward system. Because what happens when you get depressed is, like, you're not getting enough of those, like, happy chemicals released into your brain. And, like, when, you, when I buy something, it's like, oh, I like this. I want this. Um, this is going to make me happy. But it's only for a second. It's a fleeting moment of happiness. And um, so I just start buying things because, like, I, I keep wanting that happiness. Um, but eventually it gets to the point where that's not enough. It's not – it's not – it's just a Band-Aid. Um, then I usually get very apathetic. I don't care about anything. I don't care about what's going on in my life. I don't care. I just, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's do whatever. I don't care. It's almost like a numbness kind of. I mean, like, I'm usually kind of like that anyways. I'm a very go with the flow. Like, yeah, like whatever you want to do. Like, I'm cool with that. But like, it's a, it's different. It's like a. Not an agreeable numbness. I literally like do a... not care what happens in my life right now. Yeah. Like, I could lose my job right now, and I do not care. I could not wake up tomorrow, and I do not care. Like, there is literally no emotion. Okay. I I just, 
check out completely and it's almost as if I'm on autopilot and I just like I know exactly what I have to do so I do it but there's no person behind it I'm a shell um and then usually it turns into anger like no one understands me you don't get it the people around me don't experience depression the way I do so I start lashing out at that like you're not here for me, you don't support me, but in reality it is, I feel alone. I am lonely. So while there's a huge support system in my life, and I, when I am thinking clearly, I know that those people are there for me, and they do everything in their capability to help me, when I am depressed, I feel like there's absolutely no one there, but it's only because I am lonely. I am lonely in my depression. Yeah. And... I mean, it's a terrible phrase to say, but, like, um, misery love is its company, basically. Like, that's kind of how it feels. Um, Like, why are they happy and I can't be happy? Like, And almost, like, and it would be easier if everyone was just like this right now. And, like, a lot of times, I can't can't tell you how many times I've told my wife, I just wish that you could be in my brain for one day. Like, I wish that you could understand how I feel for one day and then maybe you would understand and like that's not fair it's just not fair to anyone to say that like because like other people have shit going on in their lives too and uh I remember a week or two after I got out of the uh the behavioral health psych psych you know whatever you want to call it (laughs) Um, I called Amber. It was like two, three in the morning. I had just gotten off work and I was sobbing. I just, I, I called her and I was like, I can't feel happy. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what happiness is. And I just kept saying over and over, why can't I feel it? Why can't I feel it? And that's what depression is for me. I, I, I do not have the ability to feel joy. I do not have the ability to get excited. I do not have the ability to get any entertainment out of anything. I could be watching the most hilarious thing in the world and I will not crack a smile. I will not, there will be nothing responding in my body. And that's not how it looks like for everyone, but that's, like, what I experience with it. Um, as far as, like, what Amber was explaining with sadness, um, I, I can't really pinpoint how I feel when I'm sad. Um, I think that's one that I need to work on. I kind of cram down sadness because um, I don't like the feeling because it, kind of feels a lot like depression to me and I kind of push it away because I don't want to get in a depression so I and like honestly I (laughs) I it sounds bad but like I've been through a lot of shit in my life so not a lot of stuff makes me that sad because I'm just like it could be a lot worse like they actually (laughs) funny that you mentioned this like I will go back to that but it is in a neurodivergent brain, it is almost impossible for a no- neurodivergent person to have sympathy. We can have empathy, but we can't have sympathy 
because we've been through a lot of shit in our own minds. Like, our minds are our worst enemy, and there's nothing we can do about it. So it's very hard for us to see something that is, like, really? Like, that makes you sad? That doesn't make me sad. And I I do align with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, that is extremely true. Um, And I I dislike that about myself. Um, But, yeah, like, even last night, my daughter fell and scraped her knee and oh my god it was the (laughs) end of the world I shit you not my daughter screamed and cried for 30 minutes I'm not joking and I the whole time I was just thinking why what the fuck like it it was the tiniest little scratch and I know that it did not hurt that bad like Mm -hmm. I know that it didn't but like she needed that she needed, emotional support. Yes. And yeah. I was digging down so deep and I could <laughs> not, there was nothing. I had nothing. I was, in my head, I just kept saying, like, get over it. Like, you're fine. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, you didn't break a bone. You're good. It's just a little blood. What's the big deal? Well, and you've broken bones and didn't have yeah. that reaction. So even that one would yeah, really. Like, I literally broke my wrist and never cried. Like, <laughs> Um, so it's just, I really don't like that about myself, but it is true. I have a very hard time feeling bad for people. And like, I I like the sadness. And like, a lot of times I don't go sad, I go mad. And that, uh, like, honestly, that's also another good point, because a lot of times you will lean more towards the emotion that was most acceptable. When you were younger. Right. So, like, and I wanted to hit that because the email that we got um, mentioned. Something about anger. uh, partner. The partner, yeah, only feels, or says, the partner says they only feel certain emotions. Right. And that does, in my opinion, have a lot to do with the nature versus nurture thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Depending on, and I don't know how this person was raised. I don't know what the circumstances were around. But it can have to do with um, what was okay and what was not okay in the household. Yeah. Or Um, what was expressed and not expressed. Right. So if sadness was get over it, if if happiness was like calm down. Yeah. If someone would get excited about something and you're like, chill out, like, yeah. that does carry on into adulthood. Um, and if that person was born just naturally not having that, those, like, Awareness. geared towards yeah. those, like, emotions of empathy or emotions of, like, yes, I understand how you feel type, you know. Right. And I don't want to go, like, into gender roles or anything, but males do have a different upbringing upbringing, and not as much is acceptable. Um, I really don't like going here, but, like, a lot of boys aren't allowed to show emotions in general. Quote, unquote, girly emotions. Yeah. Um, if they get sad, if they get upset, if 
their ice cream gets knocked down and they cry <laughs> about it. They're like, get get over it. You're a boy. Like, boys don't cry. Yeah. Um, and that does have a lot to do with it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, like, some girls are raised that way. We yeah. were raised that way. I was going to say, we're not going to exclude, fe- like, no, the females No, we do. I am either. not excluding females at all because we were raised that way. But it is more of a stigma it with males. It is a huge thing with males. And if you see a guy crying in public, everyone gets extremely uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable with any, anyone see, crying in like, public. Um, but I, I need to help that person. Like, but that's how I am anytime I see, like, crying. But public. a lot of people like, get uncomfortable when they see a man crying because it's just not what you see every socially day. normal. Like, yeah. that's just not – why is a guy crying? That's weird, you know? <laughs> like, it's not – and, like, for me, any kind of, like, like <laughs> any kind of weird or, like, uncomfortable situation or like if anyone's feeling any time of type of emotion that's not like uh I don't want to say normal but like if you're not okay I get uncomfortable like if yeah. someone is like upset I just kind of avoid the situation because like I don't know what to say I, I'm but like that's how I used to be but now I'm like realizing that I can't have that empathetic side to myself the more that I'm understanding mental illness, you know? Yeah. And a lot of it, too, is you are now more aware of your emotions than you were before. And because you have taken the steps to heal yourself after, like, once you realize, like, hey, there is something that I can do to help with this, then you start becoming more self-aware. You start, when you really start listening to your body, you will start to identify other emotions. Like, me and my sister, we're great with anger. Because <laughs> anger, like, that emotion was always acceptable. It was always understood. It was always like, okay, like, you're angry. That's great. But, like, if we were sad, and why we were sad didn't make sense to somebody else. I mean, we weren't technically allowed to be angry. That's no, but just if what we, we showed, grew up with. That and anger, if we showed anger, it was more accepted <clears throat> than sadness. Anger was always in our household. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of stuff, too. Like, love and affection. Like, it takes a long time to recognize what all of that feels like. Like, you can know that you're loved, but not know what it feels like to feel loved. For me, it's just, like, gratitude and amazement. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just, I feel fantastic. That's, like, love to me. But it took a long time to learn how all of those things felt. Yeah. And a lot of reflection to be like, okay, like, this is how I'm feeling right now. Why am I feeling this way? And then you can kind of make those connections. Yeah. Which is really how you learn to identify how emotions feel. And depending on, like, how you grew up and what you saw, like, if your parents were together, what their love consisted of or what you thought love was between parents or like in my situation um with my first relation like real real what I consider my real relationship was not love it was manipulation it was fucked up it was but you felt accepted but I and thought like you could be free I thought to be that that were. was love but it yeah. was not love so sometimes you have to <clears throat> redefine your definition of love. and Which we can actually go into that on another episode. Yes. Because that, I mean, <laughs> we're at about half an hour now. 
And I, we could talk about this specific topic for a while. Oh, God, yeah, I could. Because it is. Yeah. Once you get on, once I get on any of this stuff, <laughs> I could probably go on forever. But there is what redefining what you see as love is definitely something that will affect how you relate and how you feel it. And also just redefining what most emotions feel like or understanding what they feel like. I think the biggest takeaway from this episode is emotions do look different for everyone and identifying which emotions are which is the hardest part. And I do want to say, and I know a lot of people don't like it, therapy is huge. Yep. Therapy is extraordinary, but you have to find the right therapist. I have been through four different therapists and I finally found one. (laughs) That is good for me. It takes time. You can't just give up after the first one. Um, Which is what I did. (laughs) Yes, which is what Amber did. And And she tells me all the time I need to go back. I yell at her all the time. (laughs) It's hard to pinpoint emotions if you have not been raised to understand your emotions. If you have not been taught as a child what emotions are and how to identify them, as an adult, you are not going to identify them. You're not going to know what they are. You're going to confuse the two, or three, or four, or five that you're having. Or 800,000 million. Yes. <laughs> so, it's different for everyone. Some people feel certain emotions, some people don't. Some people push down their emotions, and their emotions are there, but they just don't want to recognize them, so they get rid of them. And that is what my wife did for an extremely long time. It's also what I did for a very long time, because it was easier. And I can relate to the email that was sent to us um your partner that was my wife and I was you and unless your partner is willing to make the steps to acknowledge the emotions and learn how to feel those emotions there is nothing that you can do to make them feel that way or to help them understand what an emotion is because their mind cannot wrap around it if they have never recognized the emotion themselves. They also have to be, and this goes for everyone, you also have to very much be in a space where you are willing to face things and you're yes. willing to see them. If, if you or your partner, friends, family, if you are not in a space where you're willing to learn or you're not in a space where you're capable of it even, Sometimes people literally can't. Like, it it takes a lot of work to get to a point where you are ready to dive deep into yourself and figure yourself out. Yes. So that is also something to keep in mind. It it cannot be something that's forced. No. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you cannot force someone to acknowledge what an emotion is. And it takes a lot of patience. Um, it's taken me and my wife years to get to a spot where... Um, we acknowledge that her emotions are not the same as my emotions and they feel different and she cannot face certain emotions Mm -hmm. and she's working on it, but it has taken a lot of time and I have to be patient. Yep. Patience, love, communication, and offering them, offering them the help or whatever it is that you can, the support, but allowing them to come to you when they're ready, not trying to force it on them. when you're offering it to them. 
So, I mean, I think for this week, that's a pretty good. Yeah. That's quite a bit of information. If there is anything else you guys want to know, we do love getting emails. I love hearing your guys' opinions or what you need because we're just going off of our cuff here. Like, it's just whatever whatever comes up for us during that week or, like, that day is what we talk about. So yeah. if there is anything. Amber literally comes to my house, and I'm like, what are we doing today? And then we just. Yep. So if there is anything, we do love getting the emails. We love the feedback. Uh, share this uh, show with anybody that you think might be able to benefit with it or benefit from it. And um, the email is phoenixinnerhealing2022 at gmail.com. Peace out. Until next week.